Welcome to Getting Curious. I'm Jonathan Van Ness, and every week I sit down for a 40-minute convo with a brilliant expert to learn all about something that makes me curious. On today's episode, I'm joined by two-time Tony Award nominee, playwright and actress Heidi Schreck, where we discuss her play, What the Constitution Means to Me, where Heidi breaks down the language and interpretation of the Constitution. And I ask... Honey, what is going on with that Constitution? Do we need to do a little makeover on her? What's the deal with the Second Amendment? What's up with how women got the right to vote? And like, what's all the tea anyway? Welcome to Getting Curious. This is Jonathan Van Ness. I'm very, very, very excited. Um, our guest this week is, she is a playwright. She's a creator. She's an actress extraordinaire. But her name is Heidi Shrek. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. But I'm really excited for this episode because I've been wanting to talk about the Constitution for a long time. You and too. Yes. Okay. You too. Me too. Us too. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, so you too. Your play is literally about the it's what the constitution means to me. Yep. That's the name of it. That is the name. So what, you're minding your own business, you're like a young American girl running through the fields of Wenatchee, Washington, the Apple Capital of the World. Wow, literally running yes. through the fields of Washington. I just the orchards. Guessed. The, the orchards. orchards. Yeah. <laughs> and you become obsessed with the Constitution. Yes. It when you're six, eight, twelve? Fifteen. Fifteen. Fifteen, yes. Kind of a late late a like late. when everyone else is getting obsessed <laughs> with driving, you're like, let me get my hands on this constitution. <laughs> yeah. When exactly. did you get bit by the constitution bug? I mean, it was uh there I had a mercenary uh reason for becoming obsessed with it. I just I um I really wanted to go to college and my mom had this idea to have me do this contest because she knew it was quite lucrative. So she proposed that I do this contest where I travel the country giving these, you know, rousing inspirational speeches about the Constitution at American Legion halls. And uh, I did that and I won so much money and was able to pay for my entire college education. Holy shit. I mean, it was, I went to school in 1989 to send a girl to college to a state You went to college in 1989? Yeah. Bitch, what are you using for your skincare? <laughs> Fuck the Constitution. Who did you and the devil like have sex or something? You have, are not to you look your skin, honey. Thank wow. you so much. I have had sex with devils before, but I think I had like very oily skin. You know, I had like a lot of acne, and I think that served me good later for yeah, you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> wow, we literally look the exact same age. I don't think that's true. I think it's, you look much younger than could I Could not be any more true. So you're 15, you're in Washington, and you do a rousing speech contest of the Constitution, which honestly, I've never heard of this tour circuit. I didn't know that it existed. Oh, yes. Is it still around? It's still around. You can still make a whole bunch of money this way. Kids? Yeah. So what do you, do you just go reenact the Lincoln-Douglas debates, kind of, you, but with the Constitution? It's uh, it's a little different. You have to give an eight-minute prepared speech about the Constitution. I think that's because I played, you know, I was in the Crucible in high school. Oh, so it was, on, it was on the Proctor. forefront of your mind. The, so but what was the crucible of the Constitution the for cru- you back then? For, for me back then, the idea was that, you know, this crucible is this kind of like uh, melting pot or this place that people come together to like um, sort of battle out um, ideas and uh, ethical notions. And so I gave a speech about how it was this kind of, I don't know, I was very into like magic and transformation. So how is this like sort of hot boiling pot of like transformation and <laughs> magic and yeah so through doing these tours are you basically like accidentally like memorize the constitution uh, sort of well kind of like you know it really because well there was the second part of the contest which is where you had to draw 
an amendment or article from a hat. So every year they chose six, three amendments, three articles, and you had to study them and then be ready to speak about them extemporaneously for five minutes. So I... (laughs) The look of shock. On so your and you face. did this for all four years of high school. I did, yes. So you really studied the all of them a lot. I did. So like we come over from Britain, like we like we're minding our own business. Sure. We the thirteen colonies was there thirteen colonies right off the bat. There was right or no? Yes. Uh, well, I don't know. What Whatever. You mean so there's by right thirteen. Off the bat, but yeah. Well, like right eventually. when they came over, like they like or, or was pretty, there like New England first and then like Georgia came later or something? Pretty quickly there were thirteen. Colonies. Okay, so pretty yeah. quickly there was thirteen, and then. So then, but then we were like, no more of this, no taxes. Boston Tea Party happens. All this stuff happens. Revolutionary War. And right before the Revolutionary War, we wrote the Constitution in the midst of it? No. after Afterwards. So after um, we gain independence from England, um, there, the, the states um, were basically trying to figure out how... Like h- how to come together as a nation? Like how, how what what would unite these states that were now because um, we wanted liberated from England and right? they loved like their state power. Like they that was such a big deal. State. It was a very big deal. Yeah, the state power was considered very important. But they knew yeah, there's something. I don't know if you remember studying Shay's Rebellion in high school, but no, there was. <laughs> To be honest, I don't remember it that well either, but I know that it sparked this uh, question of like, how are we going to um, unite? ourselves as one nation. So they had what was called the Articles of the Confederation, which was an essential, essentially a kind of constitution. But they, they wanted to come together and basically amend and rewrite the Articles. Make it of the, official. Make it official, make it better, figure out um, how to um, unite all of these states. So they came together in the Constitutional Convention. Um, I guess, when was that? 1789. Um, they came together very sweaty summer in Philadelphia, they met in these like hot rooms <laughs> and just argued uh, for days and days and days until they came up with this constitution. And how many articles was there at the beginning, or or um, how many like amendment or how what what's it organized into? Well, the 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 Bill of Rights came pretty quickly because they they didn't want uh, there were many people who didn't want to ratify the document without a Bill of Rights. So those are the first, as you know, the first ten amendments, and those. Oh, yeah, I didn't. Yes. I am not that good at the Constitution. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> So the first 10 articles of the Constitution. The first 10 amendments. The first 10 amendments. Yeah, so the articles basically, um, they're they're about the kind of the structure of our government, right? They give us the three branches of government. They talk about But what's the order? The order? Okay, so the articles come first. Yeah, so in the little book, because when you come to the play. Oh, yeah, yeah, because like, spoiler alert, you guys. uh, (laughs) Fierce play. She she wrote this fierce play. It's like what the Constitution means to me. But instead of like a playbill, you get like the Constitution. Yes. So you when you order the constitution, constitution, yeah, you get your own pocket constitution, which is like, honey, aside from seeing your brilliant ass, like that's reason we all need a pocket constitution. <laughs> I agree. So you open it up, and then what's it say? The oh well, the first there's the preamble to the constitution, which is we the people. Yes. Yes, which is we discuss a lot in the play is who did they mean by we the people when they wrote it? They really didn't mean very many people. They meant mostly well, they meant white male property owners as maybe one of us which they go on is one. Uh, so when they so when they go on to so when they go on to uh, explain that in the constitution yeah. what they mean and we the people. Yes. So what do they mean? Well, I mean... What do they say? They say 
Because that's like before yeah. ladies. That's before ladies. Ladies were not considered. Was a that part the three? Fi- what about the whole three fifths bullshit? Three fifths bullshit. Well, that was of course the um, kind of the greatest horror of the Constitutional Convention was that they agreed. You know, there were many people who were abolitionists and anti-slavery arguing that... Um, even at the Constitutional Convention, Even at the Constitutional Convention, yes. And in 1789. Yes. So there was anti... There was, abol- there was abolitionists even then that were like, this slavery Absolutely. thing is fucked up, you guys. Like, what are you yes. doing down there in Georgia and South Carolina exactly. and stuff? Exactly. Exactly. But those states, those southern states had a great deal of wealth, obviously, because it was ill-gotten wealth and yeah. power. And um, in the end, they made... Um, you know the most disgusting compromise, which you could wasn't make, it? Which wasn't was, it? Yeah, kind of like oh, let's kick this can down the road. And we will none, none, no laws will change on change on this until like later. Wasn't that kind of what they said? I mean, uh, yeah, technically, I guess they said they were kicking the can down the road, but everyone knew they were agreeing to uh, ratify a constitution that um, allowed in, slavery that, in, the in the which South. slavery was legal. Yes, in the South, in the South, but not in the North, not in the North, but really bad. Because it's in the fucking South. I mean, yeah, horrific. And also, uh, at the time, there were laws, um, you know, even though um, slavery was illegal in many northern states, uh, you know, if if someone were to run away to a northern state, I think they could be or were legally required to be sent back. I mean, it was, you know. I wonder about Canada. Like, maybe if you got to Canada, you were safer or something? Um, probably. It was Such probably a fucking nightmare. very difficult to get to Canada. Yeah. But, you know, when you think about it, like, that was really only, like, 200 years. Like, 230 years ago. Yeah, like, it's just yeah. not that long. Like, there is definitely a very clear cultural pain body. And, like, there's still leftovers, like, in the South from, like, that disproportionate balance of wealth. Like, the the footprints of what that did is still so all over. It's everywhere. Yes. I mean, it's it's everywhere. It's in all, all, all of our structures, all of our structural, um, you know, it, I, I think it's baked into the fabric of our government. I mean, it's it's this, the Electoral College was born out of the slavery, uh, dis, the decision to, oh, and, you yeah. know. Oh, wait. So, yeah. Yeah. yes, yes, yes. So, but wait. So, you open it up. It's the preamble. Then yes. what is it? Then, preamble, then. Uh, then we go to Article 1, which I might have to look at my... <laughs> <laughs> so there's like there's like three articles or ten articles or something. How many articles? There's like a bunch of articles. Yeah, there's a bunch of articles. <laughs> and then and then you and then it's the amendments afterwards. Yes, the beginning with the Bill of Rights. So we're gonna take a really big yeah. quick. We're gonna take a okay. really quick break, and then we'll be right back with more Heidi Schreck and uh, more on the Constitution right after this. Welcome back to Getting Curious. This is Jonathan Benness. So basically, she's the preamble in the Constitution, and then it's very many articles, and then there is an, a ton of amendments. And when we pass a new amendment, certain things have to happen. Yes, certain things have to happen. Let me just say that, okay, so there are seven articles. Uh, seven and articles. And 27 amendments. And 27 and amendments. the 27th amendment has to do with congressional pay raises. It was one of the first amendments ever proposed uh, over 200 years ago, and they just passed it in 1992. So it took a very long time to pass. 
So our last amendment we ratified was in 1992. In 1992, yes. And there are many people who think that uh, it's almost impossible in today's political climate to ever ratify another amendment. I mean, we're so divided and... Um, it would, you know, need to pass through the House and the Senate, and then it would need, uh, like, believe two thirds. I can't remember the exact number of states, but people believe that um, that it's almost impossible because the to state do houses that. would have to ratify it too. So, like, the federal house, the federal Senate, and then two, and then each state yes. house and Senate would yes, vote on it exactly. And yes. it would have to pass two thirds of each state, house, yes. and senate. Yes. But then there's that one state that only has the one, which is Virginia. Yes, you you know a lot about the Constitution. I will. Or I the government delegate, honey, or whatever <laughs> you know, delegates, whatever. Okay, so so um so right when they ratified the whole Constitution, yes. there was it the Ten Amendments at the beginning, or the, there was none. Yeah. Uh, yes, they ratified the Constitution, including the, it included the Bill of Rights when they ratified it, which was just the and the Bill of Rights is the whole first Ten Amendments. Exactly. Okay. Yes. And then the Second Amendment is one for me that I just much infuriating. Do you know like what it is off the top of your head? It's something about like militia and right to bear arms. And- yeah. In order to maintain a, uh, well, I'll read it. Right yeah. Here. Read that shit right and then here. break it down for us. Cause I really want to understand. Okay. So it word for word reads a well-regulated militia comma being necessary to the security of a free state comma the right of the people to keep and bear arms comma, shall not be infringed. There's a lot of uh, argument about the commas. <laughs> oh, why? Well, uh, I mean, there are people who argue that it the, the, that the intention of it was not necessarily to allow all individuals to carry guns, but that the um, states might be able to maintain militias in case they we were ever confronted with a tyrannical federal government that the states needed to defend themselves from. Oh, but it wasn't necessarily for people. Well, this is the argument. This so is, read that again. Okay. So I will read it again. A well-regulated militia, comma, being necessary to the security of a free state, comma. So that's the part where they say, like, so the gun for- was, right, the gun was for these militias, these state militias. To be kept by the state. Exactly. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And the people could be like, we the people of the state. It could be, Yes. Which could be like at that time, like the white male property owners. So maybe like under well, at that-, that time, it definitely was the white male property owners. Yes. So, but now it's like women's, any people of color, and just anybody in the U.S. Like our rights to bear arms can't be infringed upon. It's yes. like how the NRA argues it. Yes. And that's problematic. For I mean, me. I think it's problematic too. So how do we? I think most many of us think it's problematic. It, we do. Yeah. Um. So, but then. Uh, more things get passed. What was the 11th Amendment after the original 10? Uh, The judicial power of the United States shall not be construed to extend in any suit in law or equity commenced or prosecuted against one of the United States by citizens of another state or by citizens or subject of any foreign state. Oh, it's like we can't, like, yeah. is that the whole thing? Like, we can't sue people from, like, that's why we couldn't sue Saudi Arabia after 9-11 or whatever, I but then, like, so. they can't sue us or something. Yeah. I didn't I didn't know much about But then really amendment the 13th, 11. the 13th Amendment is major. So I saw, yes. obviously, the 13th with Ava DuVernay, which really is crazy because it, like, the 13th says it's, like, uh, all men are free unless you're, like, a criminal or, like, a felon. Or something, which is why like thirty percent of Alabama like doesn't have a right to vote because like they have that state law yes. that says that you can't vote if you're a felon, yes. and which yeah. is why many people argue as 
as the film does, that um, the modern prison state is just a contemporary form of slavery. Yes. 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 And and I think that the longer that it goes on, the more it's like not only does it keep, you know, people of color um, in that contemporary uh, slavery model, but also like just like economically – like pe- poor people, like yes. poor and people of color, like it's classist and it's racist. Yes, it's both. It is absolutely a hundred percent both. And of course, when those things intersect, when class and race intersect in that way, it's it's most devastating for lower income people of color. Um, I yeah, I mean, I think that. Um, I mean, one of the things we are when we debate at the end of the show, one of the things we're debating is. Um, how is it possible for this document that was set up to benefit primarily white, not primarily, that was set up only to benefit white male property owners, right? That's what it was originally. Those were the only people who were considered human beings. So how does this document, how do we force this document to grow and expand enough to um, to essentially like um, – push back against and undo and uh, uh, rectify the inequality it was born out of. Because the fact is it wasn't uh, – it was not a document of equality when it was created. And so there are a lot of people, and I am one of them, who think that, like, um, this idea of a neutral document – you know, we have this idea that the Constitution is 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 neutral, right? It's, it's primarily um, – uh, it's founded in negative rights, like protecting us from a tyrannical government. But a, a document that was created by and for white male property owners, how can that ever be a neutral document? And right. so, yeah. So there, it's clear, I think, that we need to take a lot of steps to to actively undo. Um, well, I feel like we've yeah. kind of have been doing that since trying to kind of do it since the inception of the Constitution. Cause, I mean, well, yes, that's the, true. Like, but So then the 14th Amendment, which is like obviously a very major amendment. Yes. What's her story? Her story, <laughs> she's a wonderful amendment. So uh, as you know, the 13th Amendment abolished slavery. The 14th and 15th Amendments set up protections for former slaves. Basically, Lincoln knew that just uh, abolishing slavery would not necessarily result in in any sort of like equality for former slaves so um he and a group of people including this guy named John Bingham got together and wrote the 14th and 15th amendments which basically ensured that former slaves could vote um explicitly gave them equal protection under the law um uh, said that uh, anyone born on U- United States soil was an American citizen because that, of course, was the big decision in Dred Scott versus Sanford in 1857 when the Supreme Court declared that Dred Scott would have to remain a slave. They also said that no person of African ancestry could ever become a United States citizen. Um, that, in order to overturn that uh horrible uh, Supreme Court decision, you know, an entire civil war was fought. And that was in 1857? That was in 1857. It's one of the things... That caused the civil war? Yeah, Dred Scott's, like, incredibly brave action. I think about Dred Scott all the time because he... um, you know, he was living with his wife and his kids in Illinois. He was living as a free man and decided to risk that freedom deliberately to challenge um, slavery in this country. Like, Which, he, how did he do it? What happened? He he got lawyers and he did what, what we do all the time now, which is when we're trying to um, uh, get a case to the Supreme Court. He took it through the court systems, got all the way to the Supreme Court, 
to challenge. But Dred, yeah. Dred Scott was a person, a man of color? Yes, he was a former slave. And he lived in... He lived in... Well, I don't remember where he was born, but he had been living in Illinois as a free man with so his So he like escaped for the like South? Four years. Yes. I think he was actually... Uh, he escaped and, and may have been, um, uh, uh, quote unquote, liberated by... Um, by someone. Uh, but he risked that freedom to take his case to the Supreme Court and challenge, um, and essentially the challenge sa- slavery. And, this, and the court said, no, you're still a slave. And what's more, no person of African ancestry can ever be a United States citizen. And so then from 1857, then the war started in 61. Yeah, exactly. And this was one of the cases that, you know, that brought everything to... Um, a kind of uh, conflict, you know. Major. Yeah. And it was what, very major, And then yes. when did women get protected in the Constitution? Uh, well, pe- some people argue that women are not protected in the Constitution even to this day. But what about the suffragette thing I mean, and voting? I mean, the 19th Amendment... Uh, 19th Amendment, The yes. 19th Amendment finally gave women the right to vote uh, in 1920. Which that, in and of itself, <laughs> is fucking crazy during the titanic women couldn't vote yeah no they could not vote That's i mean my when my grand, when my grandmother was born women could not vote which it still shocks me when i think of that um yeah so one of the terrible compromises that was made um when the 14th amendment was ratified is that they um uh, th- there were arguments to try to include uh, women in the 14th Amendment to say that um, the 14th Amendment guaranteed equal protection under the law and the and voting rights for women. But instead, um, uh, people felt this would be trying to do too much at once. <laughs> so um, male, it, they, they used for the first time in the Constitution, they used the word male explicitly and said male citizens, any male citizen of the United States had to be guaranteed the right to vote, which was terrible for women in many ways because uh, some states had already legalized voting so, but, for women, but the Constitution basically said... Oh, really? Yeah, there were a few states in which women could vote. I actually think Washington State, where I'm from, was one of them. And then the Constitution... Washington State was a state in 1860... 1860- no, it was Oh, no, 1920. It was not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I don't know. I don't remember which states... But there were states. But Washington pre- did uh, allow women to vote before 1920. Um, but but basically, the Constitution came out and said, "Yeah, this is not guaranteed on a federal level," um, which is so horrific. It's yeah, it's horrific because it, yes. like it's like black women at the time were like not all of it. So like what? Like, yes, no. Bl- uh, yes. So black women weren't really freed no, under the they only were black men were not. Uh, well, and you could argue that black men were also not really freed either because as soon as these amendments passed especially states in the south came up with all sorts of ways to still stop uh black men from voting but technically legally black men were allowed to vote under the constitution technically legally they were given full rights of course that didn't happen in reality until the civil rights movement until the war in court um until we started passing laws to make that a reality but um oh you actually did like separate but equal or whatever yes um so fucked up. It's so fucked up. I mean, the the whole history of the, well, obviously, of our country and of this document is um is a kind of 
Okay, but horror wait. show. Yeah. So, well, no, not let's wait, but l- yeah. let's get no, to please. Yeah, yeah. So, so there is that. So mm-hmm. you're minding your own business. You're baby Heidi yeah. Shrek. You come up on this. <laughs> oh, so we're going to take a really quick break. We'll be right back with more Getting Curious right after this. Welcome back to Getting Curious. This is Jonathan Van Ness. We're here with Heidi Shrek. So you're minding your own business from Washington State, obsessed with the Constitution. When all this money you put yourself through school, congratulations. Thank you. Yes, love. Um, and so then you moved to New York? No, I, um, I, I went to the University of Oregon. That's where I went to college. I studied uh, theater and English and Russian. Then Ooh, I moved interest. To, yes, I loved Russian. I was very I love a Romanov language. story. <laughs> Same, same, same. I was very into Dr. Zhivago as a young girl, and I liked Laura's hat a lot. Um, so I moved to Siberia right after college to teach English. And you teach Russian, or you speak Russian too? Da. Wow. Yes, I do. Major. Yeah, yeah. It's a little rusty. How do you say like, oh my God, I'm not sure if um, maybe Anastasia could still be alive? <laughs> Can you say that in Russia? Like, oh my God, I'm I'll not try. sure if Anastasia's dead. And then how would you say, like, Yevgenia Medvedeva is um, a really beautiful ice skater? Uh, okay, I have a Russian sister in law, and she's going to kill me for my accent. But Yevgenia Medvedeva, Kakaya Ochen Horoshaya, Krasivaya, Samay Luchna, Kak. How do you say fuck in Russian? Uh, you can say it a few ways. You, you, oh God, you bought. I can't remember. It, what, yeah. There's this one. Whenever they yeah. land quads and figure skating, this one yeah. commentary will be like Yolova. Like, what's that <laughs> word? Is it like beautiful? Like Stolova. <laughs> like whatever they land. I'm she's like Yolova. 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 Like a Stolova. Yolova. I'll have to play it for you after we're done recording. Yeah, play it for me, and I'll so see. So anyway, <laughs> so when did you realize that you wanted to write this play? What the Constitution means to me? Oh my God! I realized I I don't I had the idea. Well, I actually had that idea 20 years ago, but then it seems like too overwhelming of an idea. I had this like really ambitious idea that I could, um, you know, the part of the contest where you draw an amendment or article out of a hat. I had this ambitious idea to take all the amendments, 27 amendments, and um, put them in a hat and then somehow write or construct a personal story connected to each of them. And then I could have this like performance event, like Taylor Max style 24 hours where you could pull an amendment from a hat and then somehow there would be some incredible story related to it. And and this over the course of 27 amendments would make this larger story about my personal relationship to the Constitution was way too ambitious. Yeah, in 24 <laughs> hours, it's like, in Harry Potter, this five-hour one, I almost had a breakdown. Yeah. It's and too I'm long. Also, it's, it's too long. Also, like, Taylor Mac is singing. Like, who wants to just hear me tell stories about... Well, I would, but, but for, like, an hour and a half or two hours. <laughs> exactly, which is what I finally settled on. Yeah. And we only really do, as you know from the show, the 14th Amendment, Section 1, because that is so dense. There's so much in that little... Uh, a series of like four clauses um, that I'm able to like tell the story of four generations of women in my family using the that section. I'm able to like really do a deep dive into my own, you know, uh, position as a as a white woman in this culture. And um, yeah, the, uh, it's well, without ruining the there. play. Yeah, tell us about what that looks like. Um, 
Well, basically, it looks like uh, so. Okay, so the original prompt of the contest was you were supposed to um, make the Constitution personal, right? Like you're supposed to come out at 15 and say, like, how has this document shaped my life uh, in a very personal way? But of course, at 15, I didn't. I think most people wouldn't know how to do that. I certainly didn't. I just would spout a lot of platitudes, you know, about, I don't know, it gave me freedom of speech so I could wear a skirt to school and I could vote and whatever. Um, uh, so I thought it would be interesting as an adult to say, like, what would it mean to, to really do that? Like, how has the document actually um, made me who I am? How has it affected my life choices? How has it allowed or circumscribed my life um, to happen? You know, how has it allowed certain things to happen or prevented certain things from happening? And so I started looking into it. And of course, you know, because I'm because I have this body, I started with birth control and with abortion. And then I started looking into the the lives of the women in my family on my mom's side. And I have a long history of um, domestic and sexual violence on that side, on my maternal side. And I started investigating how the Constitution, um, what it had to say about sexual violence toward well, anyone. Which was not a which lot, is basically right? basically nothing, of course. Um, in fact, the Constitution had almost nothing to say about, you know, any bodies that weren't white male bodies. So um, so the, the sort of the female experience was entirely left out of this document. And I started to see by investigating a lot of Supreme Court cases and listening to hours and hours and hours of Oye.com, I saw the way that the lives of the women in my family had been shaped um, by kind of the by the things that were left out of the Constitution, by the protections they weren't given, by the ways their lives and bodies were not considered by this document. And how do you see from or so then in the show, like what happens? Like, how do you how does that like play out in the show? Because like when I explained like the premise of the show to my friend Julie, yes. it literally like she just like started to cry. Like, just, like, she's like, oh, my God, having, like, Constitution, like, it's just much yeah. emotional. Because, I mean, it has, when you think of how much it has shaped people's lives and the, yeah. and the disbalance of, of power and, and, the, and the hardships that it's yes. placed on people and continues to place on her, or it continues to, because it's like, that's like what privilege is. Like, this document, like, yeah. set up so much privilege. It and did. It, and and, and it, it assumed so much privilege. You know, it's just, like, inherent in the do- – it's baked into the genes of the document, basically. So yeah. how does that play out, like, in what you do in the play? Like, what do you guys do with – like, how does that debate come into into fruition? So the debate comes into fruition basically by the, um, by the end of – you know, I start – the play is my 15-year-old self, very idealistic, really did believe deeply in the genius of this document and the genius of the men who made it. Um, and I sort of trace my awakening at various ages to um, the ways in which, uh, you know, I, I concentrate because it's a personal story on the ways in which I was left out of this document, but also the way the ways uh, other, other bodies, other people less privileged than I am were actually... Um, uh, overtly harmed by this document. So by the end, I I come to a place where I 
And I did this that while I was researching the play, I read all sorts of other countries' constitutions. And and most of them, you know, most countries have modern constitutions made in the 20th or 21st century. And they're fantastic documents. <laughs> and I started to question, you know, the, I, I, the like, is it time for a, a new contemporary document? I mean, this document was revolutionary at the time. It's not now. It's very old. It's the oldest living constitution in the world. Um, we're one of the only constitutions that doesn't have explicit gender protections. 179 constitutions have explicit gender protections. Um, we don't have an equal rights amendment, which is absurd. Um, and I just started to think like, wow, do... I, it, it honestly, and you know, it's probably occurred to lots of other people, but honestly, it never had occurred to me until I started making the show that the idea of getting rid of it and, and making something new. And so I thought that would be a, uh, an interesting and, and um, kind of galvanizing way to end the so play. So that's what happens. That's, there's a live debate at the end of the play. So you go through uh, Amendment 14, Section 1. Yes. And how it relates to your 15th, your younger self all the way to now yes. and how it's affected the history of like your family is like a white woman from a mayor or from from like washington um, yeah from a rural um working class uh washington state family yeah and how and how long has the play been running for now it's been running so long <laughs> uh i i started doing it in new york theater workshop last september so, so like five nights a week? Eight, eight. I do eight shows a week. Jeez, sister. <laughs> Goddamn. What about if you get the laryngitis? Do you have an understudy or I something? No understudy. Julie, my assistant, not that she ever has any time because um, I need her, but fuck, I bet she would really love to be your understudy. Would, oh my God. Julie. Julie's that. like, yes, please. I'm throwing myself through the window. I quit. I'll come work for you right now. Um, but how often do we throw it out and how often do we keep it like in your play? Um. The because it's always different, right? It's always different. Um, I think people vote to abolish it 15% of the time. 15? Yeah. So usually we want to keep it. Usually people want to keep Does it. Does it disappoint you? A little bit. I mean, especially I think even as... Like, fuck, I just went through this whole thing with y'all and you still want to keep it? <laughs> fuck you. Yes. I mean, to be clear, I also think, especially right at this moment, we should keep it. I, I don't know that I... I can imagine a world in which um, we could. Our state legislatures we can't keep now. Yes, yes, yeah. make this happen. But um, but I am a little surprised by how unwilling people are to even in in the sense of play and the sense of pretend like think about ditching this document. Like in pre twenty eighteen midterms, I think there was like thirty six legislatures that were Republican controlled. Yeah, I think. And I think you would need 38 to ratify a new, like you would need 38, right? Because that's yes. two thirds of 50. New, yes. So, um, how, what would really happen if they did ratify like a new thing? Like basically, like the, like the federal Congress would have to write a bill or would have to write a, like a pitch for an amendment. Is that a bill? Uh, it's okay. Well, first of all, let me say this. We actually, the, the country's actually one state away from ratifying the Equal Rights Amendment. And there are people, to actually trying to make that happen. There's some question about Is that the, the Equality Act? Yeah, it's that uh, it says that people cannot be discriminated against on the For, basis of sex. Yes. Yes, it's Alice Paul's amendment. Um, so the, we're actually one state away from doing it. There's a question about the time because there was a Does time Does that protect trans people or no? Well, so this is the question. Um, there are people, and I actually agree with this, um, 
in favor of writing a new equal rights amendment. Which is the Equality Act. It, which is the Equality Act. Yes. Yes, exactly. To say, to include... But how would you make the... Explicitly trans people, yes. to include gender... But the Equality Act sex, would become yes. an amendment. It would become an amendment. It would become an amendment on the... the the Whatever the amendment was in 1963, which was the Equality Act or something... The, are you talking about the Equal Rights Amendment? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, so the idea there is an idea out there to rewrite the Equal Rights Amendment that Alice Paul wrote and that almost was ratified in the 1970s uh, until Phyllis Shafley came along, or I guess 70s, 80s until Phyllis Shafley and the Moral Majority came along and sort of torpedoed it. There's an idea to write a much more inclusive Equal Rights Amendment, which I think is a fantastic idea. So, but like, but as far as like something good or bad happening like neither one has the two-thirds to get it done basically what um well there's just i I think we have to see what happens in the next election cycle because it's it's abortion in the one of the amendments is that like was roe v wade is that like an amendment then no it's a supreme court decision supreme court and what's the difference between an amendment and a supreme court decision so uh, uh, an amendment so basically hmm, uh a Supreme Court decision is basically the... A decision law of the land. A decision law of the land. And it's the Supreme Court um, uh, interpreting the Constitution to say, like, okay, we find in this Constitution that um, that the right to choice is a, you know, a federally um, protected choice. Um because women's bodies were not really included in the original constitution, they kind of had to scramble when they when Roe v. Wade happened. They sort of had to scramble to find ways to support it. You know, the majority of Americans at the time were pro-choice, including Republicans. It was not. It was a seven to two decision. It was not controversial. Most people believed that that a woman's right to autonomy over her own body yeah. was you know something she should have, uh, or they should have, or anyone with a uterus should have. Um, but they couldn't figure out. Basically, they took some of the 14th Amendment. They they used the 9th Amendment, which is sort of a catch-all that says, like, okay, there's other rights in this Constitution that we didn't name. They used that to find a right to privacy. And they located a woman's right um, to have an abortion, in, in mostly in the right to privacy, saying it was a private decision between a woman and her, her doctor. doctor. Yeah. Um, so it's not – yeah, the right to choice is not guaranteed by an amendment, which is why – We need a more – better amendment I for mean, equal rights or equal well protection. yes i think there are people who argue that if if there were uh an equal rights amendment or a, an amendment that guaranteed equality um uh to anyone of any sex any gender any orientation that um it, it would provide a firmer foundation for women to argue for the right to choice by saying if i don't have the right to control my own body my own reproductive system then i cannot be considered equal uh, to other citizens, to male citizens. So yeah. then, this is the part in the yoga class where it's like we've you know been here for thirty minutes. Like I, you know, it's yoga recess. Um, and, and so you can really say you know whatever you want, but also like, what would your dream constitution be for yoga recess? Is really what I'm asking. What would my dream constitution? Yeah, be? like how would you like throw it out and redo it if you could in like two minutes or less? Because I talk too much. Okay, I would. Um, uh, my dream constitution would. Um, you can also take four minutes because, like, I'm fine making the next person wait if you're fine. Like, I'm care. I'm totally fine with it. Um, but my dream constitution would um, would be similar to the Czech constitution or to South Africa's constitution, which provide um, 
more explicit human rights protections. And my dream would be to provide very clearly explicit human rights protections for everyone who is not protected in this country right now, for uh, people of color, for indigenous people, for um, trans folks, for I, I would I would be very I would take the first 10 amendments to provide explicit human rights protections. I would also write an amendment which the Czech constitution has and the South African constitution has protecting the environment. Um, saying that it's uh, it's the duty of our government, the federal government, to make sure that the uh, planet is looked after, make sure that we are um, protecting the future of the earth for our children. Um, th- those would be my my big things. I would also g- get rid of the Electoral College and change some structural things about our government. <laughs> and like D.C. statehood, Puerto Rican statehood, oh, a- more representation in the Senate. 100%. Yes. Because yes, that's so 100%. major. 100%. Yes, you, I would change the structure of the Senate too, but that's a whole other are you, story. Are you active on Twitter and Instagram about I am. these things? Yeah. Well, yes. I read Get on Twitter about these things so people... Okay. I do. So, I do. I post a lot on Twitter. You'll be able to find Heidi Schreck um, <laughs> on uh, the episode of this description whatever you're listening to it on. So Heidi, thank you so much for your time. Thank, thank you for you talking so to us. I appreciate me. you so much. And thank you so much for writing or for making this play. What the Constitution Means to Me, which is running in New York through forever. Yes. <laughs> and and where can people get tickets? They can get tickets um, at the Hayes box office on 44th Street. Or if you just go to, uh, if you Google what the Constitution Means to Me or Constitution Broadway, there's a telecharge site you can buy tickets on. Love it. Hey, thank you so much for coming and let's make some content. Okay. Okay. You've been listening to Getting Curious with me, Jonathan Benes. My guest this week was Heidi Shrek. You'll find links to her work in the episode description of whatever you're listening to the show on. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at JBN, but more importantly, follow at Curious with JBN. That's at Curious with JBN on Instagram and Twitter for all the updates and all the newest news and all the further news on what all of our guests are up to now um, and continued coverage of all the topics that we've been following. If you enjoyed our show, uh, please introduce a friend, show them how to subscribe, follow us on that gram and Twitter. Our theme music is Freak by Quinn. Thank you so much to her for letting us use it. Getting Curious is produced by Cody Ziegler, Emily Bosick, Julie Carrillo, Ray Ellis, and Colin Anderson. Digital media by Lara Naiman. Booking consulting by Mary O'Hara. 